You're listening to the Scripture Union Northern Ireland podcast. I'm your host, Phil Howe. Our aim is to equip and resource the local church in our joint mission of making God's good news known to children, young people and families. On this month's episode, we're going to be listening to a talk that Mark Beatty, who's a principal of the Diamond, or as he calls it, the Mighty Diamond, primary school in Kulavaki near Balamina, a talk that he gave at our recent schools ministry conference. This was the second time that we ran it. It took place on Saturday the 1st of February in Stranmillis. And it was, just a, it was a brilliant day where uh, there were so many people looking to support schools ministry in our exhibition village. The Good Book Company had a bookstall available. Helpful seminars ranging from Board of Governors, Chaplaincy, SU, Being a Godly Teacher, to uh, Raising a Bright Generation to Shine for Jesus in Their Schools, Realising a Parent's Role at the School Gates, and then, of course, the Changing Face of the Classroom. So there's a wide variety of topics touched on, and it was all kicked off in part by Mark's talk. We had a great day together. Our hope and prayer from it is that people went away feeling inspired, feeling supported in whatever role they have to play in schools ministry. So to help frame it a wee bit, let me give you a quick overview of how he got to where he is. He started by quoting that school is a building that has four walls with tomorrow inside. He talked about the great circle of life and how every generation needs to hear the good news of Jesus. Now, as I've said, Circle of Life, many of you will have thought of the Lion King. And yes, I can tell you he split the room and made us do what can only be described as a painful rendition, um, but it made the point. Uh, he talked about the, the everyday struggles of the classroom. And in the midst of, of it all, we need to infiltrate our Christian faith into everything we do and how we act and how we react in all the wonderful mess and drama that a classroom can, and a school environment can provide. And then he shared from Hebrews 10, and I'm going to read to you from the NIV and verses 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. From these verses, he picked out how we need to hold on to hope. Hope is a powerful word, isn't it? It's a a powerful concept. And are we holding unwavering, unswervingly to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? Also, hopefully you'll notice that there's a challenge, isn't there, to, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And so we thought about how that impacted us depending on the situation or the circumstances where God has placed us in. So how are we doing this with parents at the school gates? How are we doing that in Board of Governor meetings as we encourage our churches to connect in with our schools? You can think how that applies to you. And then he read verses 32 to 39. From these verses, the first point he talks about is the need to endure. And that's where we catch up with Mark. So let me read these verses and then I'm going to hand the podcast over to his recording. So enjoy. And just before I hand over to Mark's recording, uh, just to let you know that the sound quality is quite low, so you may want to turn up your volume. Hebrews 10, 32. Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, 
He who is coming will come and will not delay. And my righteous one will live by faith and I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Be careful how often you pray to be free of the life that causes you to have to endure because I think it's only in a life where endurance is real that you can actually display your Christian faith. It will strengthen us. It will complete us. And I don't think you can have any achievement or success without mistakes and pain and suffering along the way. Endurance is about spending yourself for those around you. As a Christian, a line that I use with my staff every day is, I will ride that tackle. Whenever I played football, there was, a, there was a guy who shouted at me one day because I didn't pass the ball to him. I didn't pass the ball to him because there was somebody marking him. There was somebody really close to him. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because he's going to lose the ball. But he shouted at me and he said, you give that ball to me and I will ride the tackle. That's, that, that's stuck with me. I want my staff to be able to share the burdens that they have with me and I will ride the tackle. I've got to endure but how could you endure with your school? How can you draw alongside them and do that with them? My governors draw alongside me and they take the burden with me and I appreciate that. We've got to endure together and persevere together. And I encourage you, whether you're a teacher, governor, parent, whatever it is, endure alongside those who are getting it really, really tough because there, there can't be any achievement or success unless you go through those times. The last thing from this passage I want to pull out is that we must not shrink. I love the way at the end of this passage it just says, we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who believe and are saved. Do not shrink back. It can be so easy at times to say, this issue is too much for me. This special educational needs case is just too much. I can't be expected to change everything for this. Um, and I, I get that. I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, but just don't shrink. Don't do nothing. Rise to the challenges of each day because of the Christ foundation and the desire to do whatever you can for the children in your care. Can I encourage you to use the context of every day, the circumstances that you face. As you walk into those circumstances, you ask yourself the question, what does my Christian faith bring to this situation? How will it make things better? How will it improve? And how will it impact the lives? Just don't shrink. What you do... What you do says a lot more about who you are than what you say you are. I remember vividly a lady, a parent at my school, who had encountered the most horrific tragedy in her family. And I remember her coming up into the school a couple of weeks after it had happened, and she dropped her little boy in. And she left him in, and he went into the classroom, and then she stood in the corridor and she started shifting like this. She just shifted. And you could see there was a reluctance to leave the building. And I just saw it. I, I saw it in her face. I saw it in her body language. She does not know what to do. She doesn't know where to go. She doesn't know who to speak to. And I, I'm going to say it, as a man, didn't have a clue what to do. But before I had time to think about it, three members of my staff swooped into action with that lady. And they just said, come with us. They took her to the library and they said, do you want to talk about this? Do you want us to pray? And she just said, yes, whatever you think needs to be done. And they spent half an hour with that woman and they prayed with her and they hugged her and they cried with her 
And if I fast forward six months on, she came into her parent-teacher consultation and she said, if you ladies hadn't done that that day, I would not be here. That's the impact that you can have just by swooping into action and not shrinking back from what it is that you believe. Do the things that Jesus would have done. Express that you're a Christian and then act in a way that shows that. Don't shrink away from your identity in Christ. Shrinking back just because it makes somebody feel a wee bit uncomfortable isn't good. Stand up and hold fast and don't shrink. This is how I believe Christianity and faith will infiltrate through your school. So, if I can go on to the next one. Governors, how will you, in your meetings, how will you hold fast a confession of your hope? How will you stir up and encourage one another? How will you support your teachers? Will you volunteer to help? Will you volunteer to clean up the playground at the end of the events? Will you volunteer um, to serve the sausages at the fair? And how will you support your principal and teachers to infiltrate their faith through the school? How will you recognize the issues in those Board of Governors meetings that are going to contradict that kind of uh, movement of faith throughout the school? Parents, how will you display the love of Christ to your own children? Are you going to encourage them to hold fast the confession of their hope? Will you, as a parent, encourage them to stand up for the bullied and to be compassionate and to put others before themselves? As a parent, will you encourage the staff and the principal in your school? Will you infiltrate your faith at the gate, at the concert, at the fair? Church members, how will you hold fast the confession of your faith with your local school? Are you placing expectations upon them to do things the way that your denomination would do them? Or are you just trying to help them to unleash Jesus Christ through the corridors? Do you understand the climate in which they're operating? And by the way, don't wait for them to come and say, can you, can you, can you come to an assembly or can you come to a lesson? Go to them and say, what can we do practically to help you? Can we stir up? Can we encourage? Can we enthuse? Teachers, how will you display Christ in your actions, in your facial expressions, in your fist bumps, in your tone of voice? Will you claim the Christian faith and will you allow that to be reflected in your practice? Are you positive? Or are you just a really draining kind of person? How will you hold fast the confession of your hope in school? My son and my daughter, they just idolize their teachers. They set them up on pedestals. It's incredible. Their word is law. If I say it should be done a different way, no, because Mrs. Clement says it has to be done this way. I am so thankful that Mrs. Clements and Mrs. McMullen and Mrs. Nevin and um, Mrs. Kerr and Mrs. McClintock and all the people that I know at that school infiltrate Jesus Christ. And that's impacting on my children. I'm delighted that Coaching for Christ are in there every week sharing Bible stories and playing football in a Christ-like way. As a, as a fantastic role model for my kids. To finish with today, I know I've probably taken over my time and Mark's shifting a bit there in his seat. Yeah, <laughs> to finish with, two things that I have in my office in school. One is a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. It's called The Man in the Arena. Anybody know this quote? Fantastic quote. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. 
The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I reckon he's read Hebrews 10. I really do. So many of those themes are, are, are reflected in what he, he gave in that speech. Citizens in a Republic, I think it was called. The other one that I have in, in, in my room is Marianne Williamson. Um, it wasn't Nelson Mandela, um, and it wasn't somebody else who it's sometimes credited to. I can't remember. Our, oh, yeah, it's, it, it's from Coach Carter, the movie Coach Carter. It was Marianne Williamson, her book. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light and not our darkness that most frightens us. She goes on to say there's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Let's take that light and let's shine it in our corridors. Find your arena and know it. Display Christ in it. Let him infiltrate. And yes, you will be criticized, but your reward will be great. The ultimate man in the ultimate arena was Jesus Christ on the cross. Your suffering will not be like his and there will be great hope at the end of it. Do not be afraid also to shine your light. There's a poster in my school, I think I said this in that wee video, it says, due to the current workload, the light at the end of the tunnel has been switched off. You can be the light. You can infiltrate Jesus Christ. You can illuminate the corridors and the classrooms. We're not devoid of hope. We have a hope to hold fast to. We must shine that love without shrinking so that the flavor and the scent of Jesus Christ can be seen and can be felt. So don't be afraid of the power of Christ in your life. Let it be seen and let your actions reflect those words so that you can liberate others and free them to explore this great love. Let's expose tomorrow to the faith that we hold today. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for today, the opportunity to think about the hope that we have in you. Lord, help us to unleash it and to allow it to infiltrate through our schools. Lord, we pray that the children who sit in those classrooms today would experience Jesus Christ and that they would take that with them into tomorrow. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us not to shrink so that tomorrow will be Christ-filled and Bible-acknowledging and that your name will be exalted. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. A big thank you to Mark and hopefully you have been encouraged and inspired by what he had to say. But let's turn now to our Bible reflection led by Lindsay Marks. Hey, it's Lindsay back again with the Bible Thought for the month of February, which has been written by Paul Jardine, our Camps and Missions Administrator. The reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 36 to 37. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. 
I don't know if it is just me, but it takes a long time with me for things to sink in. I feel like God has been trying to teach me the same thing for six months now. He doesn't see things the way I see things. The most recent time was in the lead up to Christmas. This verse kept jumping out at me every time I heard the story of the angel visiting Mary. In the midst of the many unusual things in these verses, it was the line, people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son, that struck me. It is not the only time that God does this in the Bible. It is full of God challenging people's perceived wisdom, turning things on their head. A theme of, you might see this, but just look what I see. Whether it is announcing the most unlikely pregnancies, seeing the potential of a valley of bones, or telling someone who has never walked to get up, God sees things through different eyes. One of my favourite times is in Luke chapter 8, when Jesus says to a house full of people mourning the death of a young girl, Stop the weeping, she isn't dead, she's only asleep, before he takes her by the hand and she gets up. I've been challenged to ask God to show me how he sees the different people and situations that I encounter. I've been wondering what the world would look like if the church prayed this prayer with expectancy. So, my challenge to myself and to us all is that we ask God to help us see things the way he sees things and strap in for the ride as we follow where he is leading. So what part can you play in schools ministry? What relationships has God given you to bring hope, spur onto love and good deeds, endure in and not shrink back from? If you have any issues that you'd like us to, to talk about, then please email me, phil at suni.co.uk. Also, perhaps maybe even take a minute to give us a review on iTunes and please feel free to share this with whoever you know will benefit. Thanks so much for listening and until next time, God bless.